Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. All things are possible to him that believes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Such a sweet presence in here, such a spirit of victory. Hallelujah. It's not like David just had that attitude. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the kind of attitude we need to have on a consistent basis. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. The psalmist, he also said that, you know, I'm in a dry and a weary land where no water is. He said, but I go, I go into the sanctuary. I go into the sanctuary and I find everything that I have need of in that place. Amen. You know what? And that's, I'm so, it's so good to know that that that's not about being in four walls. It's not about being in this sanctuary, so to speak, but it's about finding that place with him. You might be in a dry and a weary land naturally, but I'm telling you, when you choose to get into his presence, no matter where you are driving down the road, it, you know, in, in your living room, in your closet, wherever it might be, there's something about his presence that he has the ability to be able to change your perspective, to change your perspective. You know, this, this year we've been talking about abundant overflow. And uh, this morning, the little place in my heart, more of a, 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 a pastoral message from the standpoint of of we, we all are believing for abundant overflow. We know that that's God's heartbeat. No matter where you are, God wants you to increase. He, he wants you to be a, a better father, a better husband. He wants you to be a better wife, a better spouse. He wants you, he, he wants your, your business to go up higher. He wants you to, he wants your creativity to go up. He, he wants you to excel in every area of our lives. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Haggai chapter one, Haggai chapter one. I know you read there often. If you know where Haggai is, go to Matthew and go left two chapters. I mean, yeah, two, two books. Malachi, Zechariah, and Haggai. And you said Haggai. Isn't that, a, isn't that a cool word to say? Haggai. Haggai. And, and with, this, with this is, uh, I want us to see some things because... One of the things that we have to embrace is one as we are all about not just building, like I said, God wants to bless us personally, our businesses, our individual, but realize everything about blessing us individually is all about building the kingdom. It's all about, it's all about being kingdom minded. And in Haggai's time, um, there was this whole aspect where, where people were doing all the rituals on what they knew that they should do, but yet things weren't happening. They weren't seeing abundant overflow. And so let's read here, and I'm, I'm going to read verse, um, verse 4 of Haggai. I'm reading the Amplified. It says, it is time for you yourselves to dwell. Is, he goes, it's a question. Is it time for you yourselves can you say that word with yourselves? Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while this house of the Lord lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways and set your mind on what has come to you. So meaning, meaning, is it time for this? And if it's really time for this, then you really need to look at your ways. Consider your ways. Anytime you see the word ways in scripture, it usually deals with character or it deals with your, your MO, your mode of operation on how you do things. Consider how you're living. Consider how you're doing things in your day-to-day life. So he goes, so is it time for you to be building your house while God's house is, is falling down and being broken? Now this morning, just, just so you know, I'm not receiving a building fund offering this morning. Okay. <laughs> Not, this isn't, we, even though we are building, building a building and, and I believe building, I believe in building something great for God, but, but there, there's something more here than just building a physical building. I, I believe everything begins and everything starts 
with, when we look at the New Testament, it's not about building, the church isn't about just the four walls that we're in, but it's about the people. It's about the people. And so here he says, consider your ways. And he says, now, therefore, thus says the Lord, consider your ways and set your mind on what has come to you. Meaning what's, what's been happening in your life? Have you really looked at the fruit that you're getting from how you've been living? And he says this, you have sown much, but you've really reaped little. Thank you, father. You so much where you, you, you eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you do not have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one's warm. And he who earns wages has earned them to put them in a bag with holes in it. Now, most of them we think, you know, sowing seed and we sow seed, we're going to reap a harvest. But according to this, you've been sowing a lot, but you haven't got any return. And that is a, and that is really against spiritual law. We know the word says, as long as there's seed time and harvest, as long as the earth remains, there's seed time and harvest. This is a law that God created. A farmer knows if I plant a seed, I'm going to get a harvest. And here he says, you're sowing much, but you know what? You're not reaping anything. He says, you, you, you eat, but yet you still don't have enough. You drink, but you still don't have your fill. You clothe yourself, but you're still not warm. And you earn, you're working, you're, you're doing a lot of stuff. You're doing a lot of uh, toil. You're doing a lot of things. You're busy. You're busy. But yet you, you have money, but, but it's almost like that money is like, it's, there's like a sift. It kind of just kind of leaves your life. It, it's, it, it, you're not able to build anything. If, if, you have, if, you have, if you're getting finances and you have a bag with holes in it, the thing is, is you're never able to really do what you want to do. Because it's just kind of leaving you. These are the ways. I mean, you're doing this, but the, this is the fruit that you're getting in your life. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want my, my financial, my finances to be in a way where it's like a bag with holes in it. I don't want it to be where, where I'm sowing much, but yet I'm reaping little. That's not God's best. I don't want it to where, where, where I'm eating, but I'm still not satisfied. Then he says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, he says it again, consider your ways, your previous and present conduct and how you have fared. Then he says, go up to the hill country and bring lumber and rebuild my house. And I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, says the Lord, by accepting it as done for my glory and by displaying my glory in it. Meaning, meaning you've been living for yourself, but I want you to go up to the high mountains I want you to bring down lumber and I want you to build me a house because when you build me a house, my glory will be in it. And so this morning, what's in my heart is what may be keeping us from one being the church that God's called us to be, or maybe the believer that God's called you to be, or to be the person he's created you to be. He said, consider your ways. Let's go to Psalms 133. May say some statements that may sound a little deep, but hopefully by the end you'll understand what I'm (laughs) communicating. You see, so often we're, we're so bogged down with the natural environment we're in. And if we're not careful, our natural living in the natural will cause us, will, will affect the spiritual, the spiritual environment around us. When according to how we should live is we should put God first and understand that, that if we put it this way, we're believing for abundant overflow. Are you? But I believe where it starts is we step into abundant overflow spiritually first. And I believe that as we step into abundant overflow spiritually, then we will see it happen in the natural. You see, as my relationship with God grew over the years, I was so often trying to get God to do this or God to do that and God to do that instead of just pursuing him. And when I pursued him, when I put his word in proper, proper order, then all of a sudden the things that I was wanting to happen in my life took place. Why? Because I was putting the spiritual things first 
instead of the natural things. And so often we put the natural things first instead of the spiritual things. But when we put things in right order, we're going to see supernatural manifestation. So a message that I'm ministering to you this morning is about, is about first, we need to come to a place where we overflow spiritually. And as we do that, it will affect every area of our lives. Look in Psalms 133. It says, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. And as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Now think about how good and pleasant, behold, meaning pay attention to this, get a hold of this. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. What does God get pleasure in? According to this, he good and pleasant when brethren are dwelling together in unity. Then he describes, he gives us an analogy and he says, as what is it like? He said, it's like the ointment that was poured on Aaron and came down his beard. And, and I told this in the first service that when uh, I was in Bible school and Kenny and I went, went to Bible school together and, and, and we did a, they did a class on the person of the Holy Spirit. And they did an illustration on how they anointed priests in the Old Testament. And so I, um, I, can't, think, I can't remember who was in the center, but I think Mike Vance, Mike Vance was in the center. I, I couldn't remember, but I was on one side and they, were, and they gave us these pots that, were, that they, had, they had brought back from, uh, from um, Israel. Huge pots. And they were heavy, heavy filled. Each of them had over two gallons of oil in them. And they had all these different spices, the frankincense, all that. And here I'm standing on one side and, and I'm like having to pour it on top of his head and the other guys on the other side. And so in the old Testament, when you got anointed, you knew you got anointed. It wasn't just a little dab will do you. I, I remember at that time I, I had a pair of brown Doc Martin. Name what Doc Martin shoes are. I had, I had a pair of brown Doc Martins and, and you know what? I didn't have to polish those things for years. Because I, I could tell, I could tell even years later where the oil was, where the oil went. And so when you were anointed in the old Testament, you knew you were anointed. I mean, you, there was no, and the thing is you could, you could smell, I, I tried washing my clothes and even, even, even times later after washing, I could still smell in the clothes. It was like, I mean, it was way better than bounce. I mean, it was like, it stuck in there, this, this fragrance and, and, you know, and, and the thing is why? Because, because when they were anointed, they knew they were anointed. They knew they were anointed. And so that's what he likens this unity. So as, as connecting this with Haggai and, and we're not about, yes, we are going to build a natural building, but I believe that 2021 I believe I'm going to, I'm lining my faith with brother Copeland's as well, that it's the year of the local church. And I believe if we're going to build the kingdom of God within Crowley, Texas and build the kingdom of God in our lives, I believe we have to come to this place where we understand unity. I believe unity is something that we, when we have to answer to, we have to consider our ways. You're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing there, you're serving, you're giving, you're doing all those things and things that look right and the natural and things that you should do, but yet consider your ways. Are you unified? Because it's in this position in place of unity that God commands his blessing. See, that's what he said. Go up to the high country and get lumber and bring lumber down. And as you bring that lumber down, then you're going to build me a house and I will place my glory on it and I'll place my glory in it. So if we're going to build something for God in our lives, we're going to build a marriage, going to build a family, going to build a business, build whatever you're going to build. And if you want God in the center of it, unity is going to have to be the thing because strife will be the very thing that destroys anything. That's what the enemy's out for. He wants us to, to, to live with this attitude of division. And if we look at, we go back and we look at 2020, no matter what time of year you're, you may look at 2020, what constantly tried to be constantly in front of people day in and day out, division, division, 
division, division. But as a pastor, I can't allow division in this house because I'm out for building the kingdom of God. I can't build something for God, but yet hate my brother. So we have to, I believe this, like I said, I believe if, if we get in line and we over, we have abundant overflow spiritually, then we're going to start seeing it in other areas of our life. So I believe one of the ways as a church and as the body of Christ, we have to come to this place where we are determined to operate in this unity. Hallelujah. Go to Matthew 24. I'm going to go to quite a bit of scriptures here. Lay this foundation. Matthew 24, verse 12. Now, this is Jesus speaking, and it's about the signs of the end of the age. And I believe we're in these times. But he says this in verse 12, And because of iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Because iniquity. What was the people in Haggai's day issue? They were trying to build themselves a house. They were worried about themselves. Because iniquity. What is iniquity? Iniquity could be shortcoming. It could be sin. It could be weakness. It could be different things. But I believe the root of iniquity and this, this definition of iniquity in the scripture be the root of all iniquity, so to speak, is just selfishness. It's selfishness because of selfishness abounding. The love of many will wax cold. Talk about wax, you know, wax is you put a coating on something. So because of iniquity, because of selfishness, you put more and more layers on. You put more and more layers on because you put more and more layers on that you'll grow cold, meaning you're no longer sensitive to God. You're no longer sensitive to what God wants because, because you're more worried about what you can get. You're more about what's best for you. And this is, and this is the last days. And I believe we can see this scripture unfolding before our eyes because of the iniquity shall abound. The love will grow cold. Love will grow cold. Go to First Peter chapter four. First Peter chapter four. Verse seven. Now this is Peter writing. You have to understand Peter would have been there the day that Jesus made that statement. In the last days, because iniquity abounds, the love of many will grow cold. Hallelujah. Verse 7 says, But the end and culmination of all things has come near. Keep sound-minded. Keep sound-minded. Let me throw this in here. The word grow cold in the Greek, you can, you can go check and see if I'm wrong. The, the word grow cold in the Greek in Matthew 24 is actually the word psycho. Go look it up. It's P-S-Y-C-H-O. Go look it up. And because of iniquity down, people will not be sound minded. And so here in the last days, we have to come to a place where not only are we going to be sound minded, but what does it say in verse eight? Above all things, have an intense and an unfailing love for one another. Having an intense love one for another. So here Jesus is saying in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. But here, Peter hearing Jesus you know, years about, about 40 years before this, remember what Jesus said. Okay, wait a minute. If the love of many is going to grow cold, then you know what? In the last days and the combination of the end of the time, you know what? I need to encourage the people that are going to hear my message that you need to have an intense love one for another. Now let's go to Colossians three. Colossians three. Colossians 3, verse 14. Thank you. Actually, let's look at verse 12. 
It says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And then verse 14 says, and above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. Which is the bond of perfectness. So the key to having unity, the key to unity is the love. Love is the key component to unity. Love is the key component and love is not, it is not an emotional feeling. Love is God and God is love. It's this, this aspect of, of I'm choosing. And see, if you look at the two scriptures before this, he really tells us, how do you, how do you love someone? You forgive them a humbleness of mind. All these different things. And, and why? Because we're out for unity. We need to consider our ways and how we need to make sure is we are being unified with our brothers and sisters and that we're unified as a body of believers that when we come here on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday or whatever it is, we are unified. Now go to Hebrews chapter 10. So if we're going to be unified, we need to have love one for another. Verse 24 says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Provoke unto love. Provoke. (laughs) Ever, anyone ever provoke you? (laughs) push your buttons, you know, just like provoke, like, you know, you so when we think of provoke, we, we think of, we think of, you know, we, we think of, we think, we think of different things. Like we always look at provoke as a, um, and, uh, you know, and we think of a provoke, we think of something, you know, it's usually something negative. And you could have stopped me, <laughs> but you get the point, right? We, we think of provoke and we always look at a negative aspect, but this aspect provoke is, 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 is provoke one another to love. This word provoke in the original language is to incite a riot. So when it's saying, so this morning, what I'm endeavoring to do and what the Holy Ghost is wanting to happen within this church is that we incite a riot. Now we, we know what riots look like, whether you're looking at C- Seattle or Portland or, um, you know, DC, or you're looking at things that happen in Minneapolis and you're looking out for all these different things of riots. We know what l- riots look like in the, in the natural. But I'm not talking, I'm talking about a spiritual, I'm talking about a, I'm talking about a spirit, inciting a riot spiritually and how we provoke one another, incite a riot with love, the love of God. The word riot means a brilliant display. It means a unrestrained display. It means a unbridled display. A brilliant to provoke one another unto love. Wow. Provoke, incite a riot. Anything, oh, think what is a what is a brilliant display of love look like? A brilliant display of love. An unrestrained love. An unbridled. If you bridle a horse, what do you do? You put a bridle on them, what to control them. But if something's unbridled, meaning there's, there's not control, it's just you're living out, you're living in so much love. It doesn't matter what anyone does to you or says to you. You're, 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 you got a brilliant display of love. It says provoke one another unto love and, and to good works and to good works. Then it, then it says this, verse 25, not forsaking 
the assembling of ourselves together. See, the enemy would like us to be divided. Enemy would like us to be separated. But we're never meant to do life on our own. No matter how much you say, well, I'm just an introvert. or No, you need other people. And probably one of the biggest struggles that you've had is because you tried to do it on your own. Biggest failings that I've made as a pastor is because I try to do it myself. Biggest failings I've done in, in marriage is because I try to do things myself. And not rely on my spouse or rely on other people. Here he says, provoke one another unto love and to good works. And then it says, and it says, not forsaking. Meaning, meaning don't, don't forsake, don't let go of, don't, don't treat unimportant the assembling of ourselves together. And it says this, it says, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. When it says the day approaching, what is he talking about? The return of Christ. Meaning the closer and closer than closer that, that Jesus is coming back, the more and more you're going to have to assemble together. Not less. I mean, people have looked at church as, as well, I, I do my Sunday thing. But you got to realize they, they assembled daily in the temple. Man, in, in Acts chapter 11, Barnabas taught every day, every day for a year in the temple. And you know, sometimes it's hard to get people to show up to church on Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings and because this this is the day is approaching and it says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Years ago, I was talking along a line of unity and I was coming out of the back room from preparing and Holy Spirit spoke to me clear as day. And he said, Justin, he said, there are people all over the world that, that think they're doing that scripture and they're not. I mean, how people try to convict you by saying, you know, don't forsake the assembly yourselves together. My mom did it to me all the time. You know, the word says, don't forsake the assembly yourselves together. But yet the Lord told me, he goes, there's people going to church every Sunday, but yet they're still not doing that scripture. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, there's a lot of people that assemble, but they're not together. You can show up in this room. You can show up in this room and you can be assembled, but yet be offended at me. You can show up in this room and be offended at your neighbor. You can show up in this room and, and complain about music's too loud. Music's too soft. I didn't like that song. I wish that person would sing. I wish this person did. I wish he would, I wish he wear a different tie. I wish he would do this. I, I wish they would call on me. I, I wish they would let me preach. I wish they would, you know, you have so many things that you're sitting there. And the thing is, instead of, instead of the fact that we are together assembling together. See, we can't just, it's not just about showing up in one place. It's not just about living under one roof. It's about being together. It's about being to being together. You can live under the same roof, same roof, sleep in the same bed and, and be, and be disunified for 30 years. And think you're doing marriage right. But the point is, is we have to understand that if we want anything to be successful, we have to build it upon the premise of unity. Because unity is where God commands his blessing. You don't need to turn back there, but Psalms 133. What does it say? How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then it tells us what it's like. It's like the anointing. It's like the, it's like the, the sealing that took place and the calling upon Aaron's life. It was eternal. It was something that was fixed in God's timetable for Aaron to be the priest. It, it was something that God was doing. It was something that God was setting in order for the people to be forgiven, for people's lives to be changed. And think about it. this is what happens. This is what the, the unity is all about. And he said, you have to have this because this is where I command my blessing and not just blessing, but life, life. For, we forget about it. He commands his blessing where unity is, but also life forevermore. What does God's life look like? 
the life of God? There's no, there's no sickness in him. There's no disease in him. There's no poverty in him. There's no lack in him. He doesn't have discouragement. He doesn't, he doesn't have anything having to do with the the curse. Why? Because all he is, is life. The word Zoe is just a short word to us. And it means the life of God. But yet how you define it, all they can say is divine life. Well, how do you define life? Okay. Godlike. You know I mean? There's no words to describe it. They just call it God, God life. You can't even describe it in words, just like agape, the God kind of love. They, they just say it's the God kind. Well, what, what is that? I don't know. It's, it's God. And so when we're in unity, we're in that atmosphere of his life. We're, when we're in unity in our home, we're in the his, his, his life is in the atmosphere of our homes. And this is where he, he places, he commands, he stamps his approval. He gives, he releases his blessing over it. And yet I believe, I believe if you, if you go back to Haggai, you don't turn there, but, but in chapter two, he says the latter glory of my house will be greater than the former. Meaning, meaning if you, if you saw the glory in the former days, whoa, just wait till you see the latter glory. Just wait till you see the latter glory, meaning, meaning, meaning the glory is going to be greater, but you have to consider your ways. And, and as believers, we need to consider our ways. And what I'm dealing with this morning is, are you unified with believers in your life? Like I said, there's so many things that try to attack and destroy and tear down people. We have a constantly, the God of this world is constantly trying to bring division, whether it's racial, racial, financial, political. He commands his blessing there. Blessing. That's a word we throw around a lot. God bless you. God bless you. You sneeze, say, God bless you. But what is, what is blessed mean? Put it this way. I remember Creflo years ago said it this way. He said, he said, blessing is not the car or the house. The blessing is what produces the car and produces the house. Blessing isn't success. Blessing is what produces success. And when you understand the blessing is, is something that's been conferred. When you made Jesus the Lord of your life, it said that the same blessing that was on Abraham would come on the Gentile. In this blessing, the word blessing comes from three Hebrew words. One word is bet. Another word is resh, and the third word is kaf. And if you define these three words, the first part of the word blessing means an open door or a place to dwell. Resh in the Hebrew lets us know that there's an a quantity, there's a quantity associated with the word. And the word resh means means to be many or to be in abundance. And cough means an open hand that gives. So when you just, if we break down the three Hebrew words for blessing, what do you see? An open hand. Or you could say it this way, an open door that brings about an open hand that brings abundance. So when we're in a position in place of unity and he commands his blessing, what is he saying? It's an open door for my hand to bring abundance. You see, this is how God, God, God has to, God had to operate in the same aspect of unity. God can not do anything. We, it, God doesn't ask us to do something in a way that he doesn't operate. So what, how does God, how did God operate? Well, when darkness was upon the face of the deep and, and the earth was without form and void, then what happened? It said the Holy spirit hovered upon the face of the deep. And what did God say? God said, light be. 
And in Genesis one twenty six, it said, let us, let us, let us, let us make man in our image. So, so God couldn't do anything apart from the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. God, everything God had to do, he still had to work in unity with something. And, and when he created Adam and Eve, he was now trying to work in unity to replenish the earth. So God was expecting the earth to be replenished by being in unity with Adam. But Adam and Eve chose to get in unity with the enemy. Now he had to get, now he had to all of a sudden now get unified with Abraham. That could be the father of faith for him to take up a son, Isaac to, 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 to slay him. Because if Abraham wouldn't do it, then God couldn't do it with his son. God had to try to find a man that would crucify his son. So now Jesus, I mean, so God could work in unity so God could send his son. So God always had to do things in unity with something. That's why he said when he in Ezekiel, he said, he goes, he goes, all this is happening. And he said, I saw the man. God needs a man. He needs a woman. He's got to be unified with something for his will to be done in the earth. Says of Jesus, says he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because he was anointed. No, it said he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. So in this atmosphere of unity is where God's hand shows up and brings abundance. And I believe as we step into this unity this year as a church and in other areas of your life, you're going to start seeing natural abundance flow. When you start overflowing spiritually, you're going to start seeing your natural life overflow. Don't try to start overflowing naturally and then try to catch up to the spiritual. No, no, you, you pursue God and that will happen. Guaranteed. The good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over is when you choose to align with him first, get unified with him first. We see this throughout scripture. Go to second Chronicles chapter five. All right. I'm losing Psalms 28 here. My Bible. Thank you, Lord. Second Chronicles chapter five. I want to see this principle and where God shows up. Where God shows up, that's where his glory is. Where he shows up, that's where his presence is. Where he shows up, that's where his power is. Verse 11. And a lot of times when we, if you, you've been in church or whatever, and you, a lot of times ministers or whatever will go to chapter 13, I mean verse 13. But I believe verse 13 wouldn't have happened if there wasn't a verse 11. Because I believe this is the key to the glory of God showing up. Remember, think of unity. Verse 11 says, And when the priests had come out of the holy place, for all the priests present had sanctified themselves, separating themselves from everything that defiles. Now get this, without regard to their divisions. Now think is here you had priests coming out of the holy place. When they came out of the holy place, what did they do? They sanctified themselves, meaning they set themselves apart for God to use them or for a holy purpose. But it said, but without regard to their divisions. Now for me, just reading that, that that made no sense to me. But when I understood how many different divisions were there, do you realize in the Levitical priests, there was 24 different divisions. There was 24 different job titles, so to speak for the priests. And here they were 24 different divisions. You try to get 24 people in one room and see if you can get them all do the same thing or 24, 24 different divisions and, and try to get God's work done. (laughs) You try to form a Congress, a Senate, a house of representatives and try to get them to accomplish something. Do you see, do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's the thing is, 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 is 
You have to understand these were human, human nature. We all have human nature. And the thing is human nature apart from God is selfish. And here they were that said they didn't regard their divisions. I mean, it didn't matter if one was the high priest or a secondary. It didn't matter if, if they were the priest that filled up the golden laver or they were the ones that would light the golden lampstand or the one that would make the 12 showbread and put it in the altar. It, it didn't matter what division it might be, but it said they didn't regard their divisions. And I want to encourage us. We have to stop regarding our divisions. We have to stop talking about the things that separate us and start talking about the things that, that unite us. Because it was in this that we see what's about to happen. Let's look at now. Look at verse 13. And it came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one. To make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praise the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endures forever. That then, that then, then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. But I really don't believe that the presence of God would have shown up the way it did if they didn't, if they regarded their divisions. And I believe if we're going to see the latter house glory to be greater than the former glory, we have to stop regarding our divisions. It doesn't matter who... It wasn't the trumpet being louder than the, the cymbals or the cymbals being louder than the singers. It was, it was about, they said one voice. And when that happened, what, what we see, we see Psalms 133 happening. It's where God commanded his blessing and life where his glory is. That's where his life is. And Haggai said that when you do this and you build this house, I believe our unity will build a house for him to manifest. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two, it says that we are fellow citizens and that we, we are a part of this. We are a part of God's habitation. So I believe as we operate as fellow citizens of heaven, it gives God a atmosphere to show up in, but it's going to take unity. It's going to take unity. It's going to take assembling ourselves together. It's going to take provoking one another to love and to good works. Go to Acts chapter 2. While you're looking for Acts chapter 2, I want you to go to Isaiah 65. And I'll close with that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Pages are stuck together. Before I read Acts chapter 2, now think about this. Jesus has ascended. He told those, he told 500 of them. He said, I want you to go into Jerusalem. And I, I want you to wait there until you're endued with power from one high. Meaning you got an assignment. I want you to go into all the world. I want you to preach the gospel, but I want you to go to Jerusalem first. He told 500 people that, but yet only 120 showed up. Only 120 showed up in Acts 1 14. He says, these all continued with one accord in prayer. They continued in one accord with prayer. Then Acts chapter two, verse one says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all assembled together in one place. When suddenly, when suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like the rushing of a violent tempest blast, and it filled the whole house, which they were sitting. Kind of sounds like second Chronicles chapter five, doesn't it? A hundred different, 120 people. Men, women, children, different races, people from different backgrounds, different colors, 120. Just, I mean, just probably 40 days before this, the disciples were arguing who was the greatest. 
Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? But yet on this, at this time, they're in unity. And what happens? Suddenly. 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 I believe great suddenlies will happen as we get unified with God and we get unified with each other. Hallelujah. Because it's where he commands his blessing. I'm going to close Isaiah 65. Verse 8. King James says, Thus says the Lord, As the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, Destroy it not, for a blessing is in it. Amplify says, Thus says the Lord, As the juice of the grape is found in the cluster, and one says, Don't destroy it, for there is a blessing in it. See, the enemy... See... Being one, I can only do so much. If I'm just one grape, I can only produce so much juice. But yet, according to this, it says, don't destroy the cluster. You know what the enemy wants to do? He wants to destroy the cluster. And he said, why? Don't destroy the cluster. Why? Because there's a blessing in it. Don't let the enemy destroy And bring disunity. Why? Because there's a blessing in unity. I'm not just one grape. Oh yeah, I am just one grape. Like I said, I can only do so much. But think about we think about if we put all our juice together. What can happen if we just put all our juice together? What could happen? Overflow. I like that. You see, the world is looking for some juice. But the juice isn't going to happen if, if we are not unified. I'm telling you, this is a year of abundant overflow. But more than anything, it needs to happen on the inside of us first. Inside of how? Where we understand love. Outside, how we unified with each other. I'm telling you, let's get this in order. I'm telling you, we will see abundant overflow in every area of our lives. You know, last night we had our, our volunteer banquet. And, and we do different things every year. And, um, in some years we give out, I've given out chess pieces, meaning for all our volunteers that they're strategic. One year we give carabiners to each other, knowing that, you know, as we climb, if we want to go higher, we have to climb together. You know, we last year we did, we did, uh, we did superheroes and we had, we had Pez candy dispensers with, you know, Wonder Woman and Iron Man on them. And this year we did, we did fingers. Our theme this year was, was MVP and, and sports. And, and as I was praying over what to share, and this has got really big on the inside of me. And, and I believe it's, uh, I didn't share it in the first service, but this isn't about heritage of faith being number one, but this is about heritage of faith being one. Because I'm telling you, the glory of God shows up where there's unity. So it, it's not about competition. It's not about who's the greatest or this or that. It's not about is Dr. Savell preaching or is Justin preaching. No, it's about heritage of faith being one. Because in that place, we will build, we will build the kingdom of God in Crowley in South Fort Worth, Texas. Amen. Amen. You know... Where does unity start? It starts with a decision in your heart that you're not going to, that you, you may not help what someone else thinks and someone, way they think about you, but you have a decision to make whether, whether you're going to be unified with someone else or not. That's where I believe in this season, I believe, you know, hey, are there some things you need to let go of? Are there some things that people you need to forgive? Is there, is there things in the church that, have, that you're not sure of and, and you're, you're offended at people in leadership or, or things like that? We have to get any and all divisions out. Because I don't know about you, but I want the latter glory. I want his glory showing up in amazing ways. How about you? But it's not about who's number one, but it's about being one. Hallelujah. You know, during this year, we're going to be doing... Um, serve weekends on the fifth Sundays of the month. And, and we, cause we believe that every joint supplies. We believe that if God's called you to this church and God's called you to this house, then you have a part to play. 
that you need to be a part of the cluster. Why? Because there's a blessing in the cluster. There's a blessing in the cluster because the cluster needs each other, but also the world needs what the cluster can offer. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not serving anywhere at Heritage, you're not involved and you're like, you know what? I, I need to get planted. I need to, need to be, I, I, it, the Bible says every joint supplies. And so if you're wanting to get involved and you want to start serving in some capacity, you know, they'll have serve cards on your way out. And there's a QRL code that you can take, that'll take you directly to our website where you can fill out a form. But we want you to know that you're welcome. We, we need you on our team. We need your gifts. We need your talents. We need, we need your graces. We need the things that God deposits on the inside of you. And you may say, well, pastor, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not this or I'm not that. It's not about what you think you are. It's about, about, Hey, you, you know, I, I started out, I, I was working at a liquor store, got, got saved. And months later I was running a camera. I'm not saying that will happen here, but I'm just saying that, but the point is, is, is just be available. And it's amazing things that God will do when you get choose, when you choose to get hooked up into the body. Amen. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Just bow your heads for a moment. Father, we thank you for your word today. And I thank you that in your presence is fullness of joy. And I thank you, Father, that we desire this place, our homes, our workplaces to be filled with glory. So, Father, we take this unity. We take this love. That's the perfect bond of unity everywhere we go. And as we take this love everywhere we go, I thank you that you will cause every area to flourish. Let's repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the love of God that you placed in me. I choose to walk in unity with my brother and my sister. I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness showing up in my life. I choose unity above division. I choose unity above division because I will see your goodness, your glory in the land of the living in Jesus name. Amen. Give him a shout of praise. You receive this this morning.